I'm Erica. And I'm Steve. So friends, we are in the middle of a series for the Lenten season in 2023, talking about um, some spiritual practices that we might uh, choose to take up during the Lenten season. And we know we're kind of already into the season. Um, So if you've not um, picked a practice yet, you still have plenty of time to pick up something and and continue with it for the rest of the Lenten season, maybe even in the Easter tide. But uh, we've been talking... um, in our last episode about fasting, particularly from food and things that we consume uh, and what that looks like, some of the biblical uh, reasoning for that, uh, how some of us have practiced that in our own lives and how that helps us to grow in our spiritual life. So where are we taking this episode? Well, uh, today we thought we'd sort of spin off uh, another dimension we're way of thinking about fasting. If in in the broadest sense, fasting is about refraining from something. We're most commonly mm-hmm. used to thinking about fasting from food, whether like we talked about last time, uh, n- no food of this particular kind for all 40 days. So no chocolate, no caffeine, no whatever, or I'm only going to eat during certain hours of the day, but they're food related. But there are other ways of practicing that kind of self-restraint or uh, asceticism, going without something, uh, in particular with how we use our time or changing how we use our time um, and cutting out something that might be a regular routine, again, for a season, uh, and either finding something else to do productive with that time or using that time differently. Like what, what, maybe, maybe let's get specific. What might be some examples? Fasting from social media. Okay. Yep. Or Netflix. That might also then more broadly be looking at things like um, maybe maybe it's it's the the time I spend in some in front of some kind of screen, you know. So like mm-hmm. um, I notice, and my kids are a reminder of this to me too, because they can easily just get sucked into you know just like scrolling through endless short little videos on. Uh, YouTube or things like that. Like, it's not even about what particular, con- it's not even like uh, there's this one show I want to watch, but more just having that as a distraction. So even just saying, I'm going to spend less time in front of screens in general, whether it's television or movies or scrolling on my phone or something like that, that it's it's not necessarily saying this social media app is bad or this channel is not helpful or something like that, but more like, I just don't pay attention to how much time gets sucked mm-hmm. watching screens. Um, and again, that's not to say that uh, time in front of technology or screens is inherently sinful or wicked, but it's more about how we easily get out of balance and don't realize it. And I think it's it's a way to reevaluate where we put our priorities. Okay. Like, you know, it's um, you know, there's that that verse where where your treasure is there your heart will be also or mm-hmm. maybe it's yeah. flipped around yeah. um but it, it's it's with the idea of where you spend your money that's what's important to you yeah um and i think that's in, that's true for our time as well yeah. is what we spend our time on is what is important to us so you know hopefully you spend quite a bit of your time asleep because you need <laughs> so many hours of sleep in order to properly function. So sleep is important for our health. Hopefully that's important to you. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you spend some time making connections with other people, whether that is people in your household, people at your church, people at your work, your friends, 
you know, hopefully you were spending some of your time doing that because that should be important. Um, but I think if we were to actually, like if I were to actually give an audit of my time and how much time I spend in my week doing this or that or the other thing, you know, I think I would be very disappointed in myself about how high technology use is mm -hmm. in in that time yeah. audit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I think doing some sort of Lenten practice where you fast from um, technology in some way uh, might be a good thing for many of us, myself included, because it will be it would be a way to retake a look at what are my priorities in my life and how am I spending my time um, and not letting myself just get sucked into Reddit or Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, mm -hmm. um, but instead spend that time on things that are actually important to me, you know, spending time with my kids, reading a book or, you know, praying to God, whatever I want to elevate in my time audit and spend more time on. Yeah, I, I was in a conversation with somebody not long ago, and we were talking about um, the difference between uh, regular writing prose and poetry, and in particular poetry that is sparse, like a haiku or something that is very, very tightly structured, even down to the number of syllables in a single line. And uh, while in one sense we were saying, you know, you can write a haiku about anything, the fact that you're so limited forces you decide very clearly what images, mm -hmm. what words and to choose very, very precisely in a way that you can be sloppy when you can talk forever or write a paragraph forever or whatever. And it, it, it it's made me think about that, that question of when you are limited, it does make you choose more carefully and intentionally. So even if the fasting say from television or something like that is not a complete fast of I'm not allowed to watch any television, but to say, I'm going to allow myself, you know, in a week to watch X amount of time or something like that, or so, you know, so much or something, because there's ways that you could do a total complete fast from something you could put, put time limits on it. But even at that, it forces you to decide what is it that is worth me spending this time on and what mm -hmm. isn't. And then to notice how often in the, the culture we live in, we use screens and technology like that as background noise. Like I was, I was watching my daughter the other day doing her homework, her math homework with literally a, a page full of like basic division problems in front of her. And she gets out the iPad because she's so used to like listening to videos and it wasn't even to listen to a song. It was like with background chatter. And we said, we need to put this away. It's distracting you. And, and she says to me, like in a complete straight face, dad, it's not distracting me. I don't even notice that it's there. And it's like, that's the problem. Like if you don't even notice, then clearly we could take it away and it won't be a problem. But somehow you're used to that background, you know, almost like the white noise of it. Um, and it, it for me became this mirror of like, how often am I doing? something similar whether it's the you know the radio in the background or a tv on while i'm doing something else um and to be intentional rather than just to get used to the noise several years ago i think it was during lent it might have been just during another season i gave up the radio in the car i was doing a lot of driving um and i'm one of those people that for years couldn't do anything without some sort of music playing in the background mm-hmm and and now, you know, I, I still have music playing in the background even now. It's just in my head, not from a device. But um, 
yeah, just realizing how much I just, it was a distraction. I, I, like your daughter, Steve, you know, sometimes I would notice it and sometimes it would just be like, oh yeah, oh wait, I, I have the radio on. I don't, um, don't realize it. Um, and, and so it, it, it helped me focus more when I was driving, not just to pay attention to the road better, but like, then I ended up spending that time in prayer mm-hmm. um, because I wasn't mm-hmm. um, singing along. Cause if, if there's songs playing that I know the words to, I'm right. singing. Right. <laughs> you know, if I'm, if I'm not working on something else, if I'm typing a sermon or something, no, but like if I'm just driving in the car and, and the song comes on that I know I'm doubting out along with it. Mm-hmm. So as we've been talking, I've been, uh, so for those of you who don't know, we record in advance. So currently right now us three talking it's not lent yet so like i haven't fully like nailed down what i'm doing for lent and so i'm mm-hmm. inspired and in thinking oh how can i give up technology for lent like how can i make that work and still do my job because mm-hmm. i yeah. feel like a lot of my job is emails like mm-hmm. all three of my jobs it's like there's a lot of emails um and i also well, I should do this more often, but I'm the one that posts for my church's Facebook um, and Instagram. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, I, my parents live far, far away. So the only way I can like communicate with them is on my phone. Um, and, you know, oh, how how would I even survive my commute if I don't have my audiobooks in the car? Um, so like I'm thinking through all of these things, but it, it makes it's making me aware very suddenly in this moment about how ingrained technology has become in our day-to-day lives that like, I don't think I could get away with putting away my computer and my, my cell phone for 40 days. Like, I don't think I could do that and maintain my jobs and my relationships with my family. Like that's how ingrained this technology has Mm -hmm. become. Mm -hmm. And I think there's there's room to say that one can look for either for a season or for a long range time to cut back or to change the way we relate to technology without becoming Amish, without saying, okay, therefore Mm -hmm. I can't do my job anymore. I must become a farmer because this job requires too many emails. But to realize how deeply we are affected by it and the way it changes even our our patients, like that when you're used to instant responses to instantly sent messages, um, it changes the way we are impatient with people who take a while to respond because maybe they're thinking, maybe it's not that they're being rude and why have they replied? They're trying to be thoughtful about how they, you know, craft their answer back or they need to get back to you or talk to somebody else. Um, but just that whole notion of, of that, that, separating or changing the way we relate to technology isn't about suffering for a while. Again, like just like with food, that it's not like, look how much I'm suffering, God, doesn't this prove I, I that I love you? Uh, but more treating this as maybe my priorities have gotten out of kilter, or maybe I don't even realize how I'm being distorted by the way I interact with technology, and I'm looking to recapture something about being human. Our, our whole conversations reminded me of a fragment from uh, one of my new favorite poems of uh, Wendell Berry. This is uh, from his uh, How to Be a Poet from his collection called Given. And the one the one standard that goes, um, live a three-dimensional life, stay away from screens, stay away from anything that obscures the place it is in. There are no unsacred places. There are only sacred places and desecrated places. But I love that notion of 
staying away from screens allows you to live a three-dimensional life. And I just love the poetry of like, yeah, screens are two-dimensional, but like that how often I find myself trading off time on a two-dimensional service when there are human beings in the room who would like time with me um, or who I could cultivate time with. And I think of my children are growing up fast and I will blink and they will be adults on their own. And um, I think about the the chances I have to do things with other human beings and how easily screens that could be a way of connecting with them also can become barriers. And when I'm just so used to, this is how things are in this age, I, nothing, nothing puts the brakes on... Uh, maybe questioning or changing how I, how I relate to people. So yeah, this, this whole notion is, is helpful to me. It's, it's provoking me into thinking about how I reevaluate my relationship with technology. Are there other kinds of things that, that you might have in mind, Sarah, about um, things we might refrain from or change the way we use time that aren't limited to just technology kinds of things? Are there other kinds of ways we might change our use of time in this season? Um, yeah, I mean, I think technology is, is a really big one, but I think it's not, it's definitely not the only one. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I think that one came to my mind first because that's something I struggle with personally, Sure. but I, I think it's really anything that we notice is time consuming and like becoming a higher priority just because it takes time mm. when that time could be better spent yeah. differently or even by just refraining from doing that thing you can suddenly see uh make something else a higher priority yeah. um you know unfortunately like the other big thing in my life that i feel like takes way too much time that i wish it didn't is laundry <laughs> right. but i right? can't really advocate to my spouse of like hey i'm gonna give up laundry for 40 days like that's not yeah. going to it, work right and i don't know about you but like when it's laundry uh day in our house or the never-ending procession that is laundry on any day like that is also tethered to my use of technology because while i'm folding socks Oh, this is a great time for me to watch something on television and the children will interrupt <laughs> me because they don't want to get roped into helping fold clothes. Um, and I notice how, again, like sometimes that can be a lovely escape for me of like, oh, here's going to be 20 minutes. I can fold a load of laundry and watch something on television at the same time. And it's OK, but also it feeds that I need to be constantly distracted uh, while I'm doing something menial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, along those lines, I am told the, the story that um, my one of my predecessors in the congregations where I serve, um, she had one year in the two congregations decreed a Lenten fast from committee meetings for the churches. Um, and it, like it went over big time because like, all right, no meetings. Um, and again, the idea was, again, like with all this, it's not that meetings are evil. They can be, but it's not that they are inherently sinful. But um, it was that how can we use our time differently? So in a time when people are like, well, pastor, we can't go out for midweek Lenten services or prayer services or evening prayer or something like that because we also have all these meetings and there's something like okay fine we'll remove the committee meetings for these 40 days and now you are freed to you know mm -hmm. be a part of the the gathered worshiping community when we gather on wednesdays whether it's for bible study or for worship or something like that and to me that that helps get the spirit of this right of like it's not about here's a bad thing that we should have cut out all along but it's more like no we're going to change our priorities and see how that frees up time for something else something that is meant to be good and fulfilling as well 
And I think that's such a great idea because it's similar, again, like how we talked about in the last episode, where the Jewish people would have to prepare for Sabbath intentionally right. of like, make sure to prepare the food ahead of time so that you can still eat during Sabbath. It's it's very, you have to be intentional with your time and your meetings before Lent right. to make sure that you have taken care of any business that absolutely has to happen during Lent. Right. And then there's probably going to be some intentionality after Lent as well right. to make sure that anything that um, now suddenly desperately needs to happen because it really should have been started weeks ago. <laughs> right. Now right. it needs to really get going, you know? Right. So there's, um, I, you know, I think that that takes some great intentionality. Like if you feel like all of your time is spent preparing meals and you want to experience a break from that. Yeah, you can certainly do that by doing some meal prepping in the weeks leading up to Lent. Of, yeah. Hey, for like all of January and the first part of February, every time I have to make a lasagna, I'm going to make two and I'm going to stick one in the freezer so that it's an easy. I just have to pop it in the oven. And look, I have a meal during Lent that I right. didn't have to fix. Right, right. <laughs> or, or rather, I didn't have to fix it that night. Yeah. Um, You know, there are certainly ways that you could do yeah. that in ways that maybe laundry might be harder, harder. Yeah. Um, to get away from. But I think even that, if that's something you want to try as a Lenten discipline of, I don't want to do laundry for 40 days because I feel like that's all I do. Mm -hmm. You could certainly explore options yeah. that like, yeah. can you afford a laundry service? Mm-hmm. Can you, if you take a look at your closet, could you go that long without doing any laundry? <laughs> you know, for some people, that answer might be yes, right. um, which it might be a whole nother conversation that you need to have with yourself then. But, you know, you could explore yeah. what would it look like mm -hmm. if I gave up laundry and how could I feasibly make it happen? Um, that might not work for you, but it might. And since laundry is one of those things that um, we all have, you know, even even myself, I'm single. It's just me, but I still hate doing laundry because it's an all day event. <laughs> um, you know, rather than, and this goes back to the technology a little bit, rather than spending that time in front of a screen while you're mm -hmm. doing laundry, be like Brother Lawrence when he was washing dishes and spend right. that time in prayer instead. Right. Right. You know, and, and and take advantage of like that. Right. I'm doing something very menial, something that is just kind of rote memory. Right. So while I'm doing this, I can do something. I, I can be more focused on yeah. praying. Yeah. Because what I'm doing in the background doesn't right. really take up a lot of thought process to do. In a way, this reminds me that this like these are half warm thoughts here. So forgive me. Um, but uh, I have been um, I've seen it in a bunch of congregations, including the congregations I serve now, where there are quilting ministries and they will um, deliberately make these places to be tied on the quilts where people then on on Sunday mornings will tie a knot. And these are become prayer quilts that we're going to give to so and so. So the idea is as you're tying the knot. 
pray for this person. And when they get it, it's this reminder of, look, all these people are praying for you. So we remove the magical mm -hmm. thinking. It's not like, ah, this prayer, this blanket now has magical powers because all these people prayed. But it's it's a visual reminder. Wow, all these people yeah. prayed for me. And and if I can wrap my brain around the act of praying for a person while I'm tying a knot, like as someone who does have other people in the household to whose laundry I fold, um, to be thinking about, yeah, what if for me the practice became, okay, I'm thinking about when's my son going to wear these socks? When's my daughter going to wear this shirt? And to think about like, okay, praying for what's going on her day then without magical thinking without like, Oh, well now he'll, he won't trip because he's wearing blessed socks or now she won't be cold because she'll, but more like, how do I mm -hmm. get outside of myself and to think about, spending my time and attention on the needs of other people and then maybe how does that even change when we get to later in the week and i see them wearing the clothes that i remember praying you know as i was folding it leaves me hey, yeah how was your day and you know what was you know the, the, like it changes that that interaction and makes even things like folding socks holy um and and maybe in a similar way i want to i want to piggyback on the idea you suggested a minute ago sarah about um the uh the making lasagnas or making food in advance and that, that that notion of saving time is a smart one that you could in advance prepare and then have a bunch of meals you could coast through so that say lent is easier on you but you could also do the opposite and say um i'm gonna use this this season lent and make additional food so that later in the year uh when somebody else is going through a crisis or something i've got a meal in the freezer mm -hmm. i can bring to them when they're not you know, someone's just come from the hospital because we often have that issue too of so you know we know somebody who's just gotten home from the hospital they're going through a death or a grief or something and we scramble for what's the simple thing we can bring over um and it's hard to get in the habit of making additional so there's something that's ready in a you know basically at a moment's notice that can sit in the freezer or or take up space and again we can't do a whole lot you got limited freezer space but that could be another way of, again, using this season to be pulled out of ourselves and out toward neighbor as well. I'm reminded, too, now that you mentioned the question of laundry, you made me think a lot about how to deal with laundry and lens. Um, but I remember, and I may have mentioned this book in previous series, but years ago, I read Jen Hatmaker's book seven. Um, and she, as a spiritual practice, I think it started as a blog and then it became a book. Um, but it started with, for a month at a time, she... Uh, reduce some area of her life down to seven things. So there was a month where she limited, I'm gonna, only going to cook with these seven ingredients. And it was sort of a gimmick, like picking that number. But uh, And then there was a point when she reduced her wardrobe to seven items for that month. And that sense was like, okay, I need to have something that's dressy for if I have to go somewhere professional, something that's casual. And it it wasn't that she just didn't wash clothes, but it meant that there's limits on how much she was, and that she wasn't going to go through, I'm going to wear three outfits in the course of this day. Day, it was what am I going to wear for today and it simplified things and it for her it wasn't about Lent exactly but I think it did something similar to what we're talking about that sense of clarifying and how much of my life do I want to spend on you know colored piece of fabric and folding and hanging it up if I can pare it down to I can live with this for this season that it, it had a way of simplifying even down to how much time is spent on laundry but also it changed her relationship with what things am I buying and what things am I buying that I really know I'm only going to wear once? And what are the things that, mm -hmm. nope, this one will last for a long time. Like even that kind of thought change is helpful, I think. I keep coming back to this thought and it goes well with that simplification that you just talked about, Steve, um, about money. And while mm -hmm. this kind of deals with food in a lot of ways, and I know we spent a whole episode talking about food, but it, it can deal with other things. In those 40 days of Lent, mm -hmm. only buying what's absolutely necessary. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and being very intentional how one spends your our money mm-hmm. during that time. Um, and then again, as we talked in the last episode, and and we've talked even here about maybe then taking the money that we might have spent on other things, mm-hmm. you know, and giving it away or saving it for something later, you know, yeah. to you know whatever whatever you choose to do with that. But so often we just especially in today's day and age with things like Amazon and, and all mm. that, we just, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking for myself. I just buy things without really thinking about it. Yeah. And, and sometimes even... those things are necessary and good, but sometimes like, you know what, do I really need that? Like right this yeah. instant or yeah. can that wait? Like, is that a necessary thing or is that just that I want it, I'm going to get it because I can have it in two days because of prime. We even have a word for it. We call it retail therapy. And when we like when you hear right? people talking about it, it's like you're just giving like you've just said, I believe the the construct that purchasing something that greater consumption will make me feel better. And like yeah. it gives that that quick adrenaline rush or gives that, you know, quick um uh you know rush to your brain the same way that uh you feel good for about 30 seconds after eating something that's high in sugar, because yeah, that's a sugar rush. So don't don't pretend that's gonna solve your long-term low energy problems. Uh but yeah, how how easy we fall for this liturgy of consumption in the culture we live in yeah and even I, with like food and grocery shopping like i'll buy stuff because i'm like you know walking down the aisle I'm like, oh, right. I like this night like this night right and then it sits in my freezer for months on end because i do a right. lot of frozen food you know and then like you know i just let it sit there rather than buying you know, okay i'm gonna buy this and these are my groceries for the week and this yeah. is what i have to eat for yeah. this week yeah i'm not gonna go buy more because yeah. i don't want what's in my fridge already yeah and maybe in a similar way, one could choose a slow food approach to Lent as well. We're like, and again, this requires you having the time to do this, but to come to appreciate the time and labor that goes into making our food, like mm-hmm. I could see somebody making the choice of saying for this year's Lent, instead of buying things that are already pre-finished and processed and whatever, I'm going to spend more time, say, making my bread from scratch or making this, you know, with less process yeah. and realizing that means additional time. It takes time to let bread dough rise or it takes time to make mm-hmm. your own sauce or whatever. But like, then you come to appreciate the, oh, I get to customize or I put a little more oregano in my sauce, you know, any of those things, but also that sense of appreciating all the time and labor that other people put in the rest of the time when you aren't baking your own bread, but buying it, that these are things somebody else does with their labor and their time that so often I treat like I am owed or take for granted rather than appreciating the labor that other people bring to things. I, I think there there's um, uh, sometimes a, a prayer we will use uh, in our liturgy um, when we are uh, getting ready for celebrating Holy Communion and we'll talk about bringing our gifts and, and that includes the, the the gifts of bread and wine and often in the language there's that somebody's labor went into making this bread and somebody's labor went into harvesting and producing mm-hmm. this wine and to recognize those as god-given talents that are then offered back to god's service and to god's people and how easily i take that for granted and maybe something like a slow food lent might do that for me as well so another thing that i thought of that we, we could fast from in order to take a look at how we spend our time is taking time to find rest oh okay yeah because i i think that um we as a society we tend to be very focused on productivity yeah and as a result i think a lot of us do not take the time to have proper sabbath yeah um 
that we tend to fill our days and our hours and our calendars with things to do, you know, the work things to do, the things around the house um, that do need to happen and get done, the activities that we plan with our family and friends. And, and as a result, I think a lot of us, we would be hard pressed to say, yes, I did take an, a, a complete day of Sabbath, of mm -hmm. rest. Mm -hmm. So I think taking that time yeah. as a Lenten practice, as a way to like remind ourselves that this is something that God has commanded of us, yeah. that we are to honor the Sabbath, that we are to take that time to rest and to recharge and to reconnect with God, yeah. um, that that would be a good jumping off point maybe. I, I appreciate that as a way of both sort of getting us back into this. The intention of Sabbath is to help us be more fully alive. And that Lent also, mm -hmm. instead of making it like I have to suffer in some way to show God I'm serious, but more about being reconnected in things that bring us to life, um, that whether it's like day of rest of like, I'm going to pick one day a week that I'm not going to do anything, or maybe building into my daily routine, I'm going to intentionally take a 10 minute walk where I'm not doing anything else. I'm just going to go out in the, and where it's not like one more thing mm -hmm. to do, but like in this space of 10 minutes, nobody can bother me. I'm just, and, and one hopes since Lent falls in the springtime that maybe there will be moments increasingly of, oh, it might be warm enough to get to take a walk and there's not a blizzard out and I can enjoy and appreciate. Um, I think this is something I'd never thought of until you, until you, you said this there but like we tell the story about jesus being in the wilderness for 40 days and fasting but I, I as much as that's about him not eating it's also like man that's like a 40-day nature height and then jesus gets to have all this time in the midst of god's creation and it's empty but it's beautiful at the same time and like maybe this wasn't just drudgery but maybe there's something really refreshing about like there were no meetings in that time for jesus there was no paperwork there's nobody constantly bugging him about would you do this would you do this would you do this there's just that time that I'm sure included prayer, but also included walking along, you know, river valleys and being in the rocks and the beauty of the barrenness. Um, and again, we pictured wilderness being like empty desert place, but it just means a place where there aren't people. But it's, be I mean, there's beautiful empty places that are empty of people, but still have trees and animals and just a lush landscapes that that's also part of what, what this was for Jesus in those 40 days. And that maybe that kind of spirit of Lent for us could be also about reconnecting with the beauty of the world that God's made. And all, again, letting it pair out some of the background noise. I think part the part of the reason behind fasting is to get rid of that background noise. Mm -hmm. You know, whether we're fasting from food or or screens or laundry or or whatever, it's it, the whole point of it is to reconnect us to God and to be able to hear that still small voice of God. Mm -hmm. And and so you know, to get rid of that background no, noise, whatever it looks like. Mm -hmm. um, even just for a season, you know, um, I, I think is for myself, that's some of the value I found in different types of fasting over the years is just yeah. that reconnection and refocus on my relationship with God and listening for his voice in the midst of a very noisy world. Yeah. It feels like we've got lots of great ideas that could last us an awful lot of lens, um, which is good. Um, but now I'm feeling like I've, I'm going to need to make personal notes so that in future years I can go back to our conversation here and go like, oh, yeah, we had all these cool ideas. 
we're also going to have more ideas for other ways you might observe Lent that don't have to do with fasting, but we'll be taking a look uh, in upcoming episodes at uh, ways to practice generosity and ways to deepen our prayer lives. So join us here the rest of this Lent long here on Crazy Faith Talk. See you. Bye. This is how